And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Big Football Show, a podcast from The Athletic about Big Ten football. This is Scott Docterman and I mostly cover Iowa. Today I'm joined by Mitch Sherman, our esteemed Nebraska football writer. We're going to spend most of today's episode talking about the Huskers from last season's highs and lows to what lies ahead for, the, for Scott Frost in year four and uh, what's going to happen this fall. We'll also spin it around the Big Ten at the end of the episode. As always, we want to thank you, our legends and listeners, for spending some time with us and adding us to your podcasting rotation. Please subscribe, rate, and review us. Five stars, just like Ari Wasserman's favorite prospects. Mitch, it's a pleasure to have you here today. How are you doing? I'm well, Scott. It's good to be here with you. It's good to be here in June and and, uh, have college football back on the horizon. We're like 80 days away from the season and Actually, about seven days sooner for me in the games that I'm going to cover than uh, many of our other writers at The Athletic. I'm looking at late August and a trip to Champaign. It seems uh, it seems like it's right around the corner. Yeah, and it's a lot better than what it was a year ago this time where we were wondering, <laughs> would we have a season at all? Um, I guess we were wondering the same thing in early September as well. But uh, but based on where we were with the, with the pandemic last uh, June, we were all sitting here trying to figure out if any sport was going to be playing major league baseball, NFL football, uh, college football. And here we are now counting it all down. And as you mentioned, uh, Scott Frost and the Cornhuskers get, get a chance to visit Champaign and open the, the Brett Bielema era, uh, a week before everybody else. So, uh, that's, that's actually kind of exciting. Although the trip is not quite what you originally planned. No, I was I was going to Dublin, man. I had the whole thing whole thing ready to go. It wasn't booked, didn't have the flight booked, but I was I was looking at at uh, at Ireland and starting to starting to check out hotels. And Nebraska actually had a had a uh, a bye week scheduled for uh, week one after the week zero game this year. So the thought of uh, of staying in uh, the UK for uh, a few days after the Nebraska Illinois opener was was on my mind, and and of course. Like everything else over the last year and a half, that changed and that was canceled. The Huskers are going to open the 2022 season, though, in Dublin. So not all is lost for Nebraska fans and Nebraska media who, who wanted to, uh, to see football overseas because the Huskers get Northwestern on August 27, 2022. But in the meantime... Yeah, it's book those flights uh, to Chicago or drive to drive to Champaign. Uh, I'm ready to be hot in uh, in in Illinois in the afternoon for uh, an early kick against uh, the, between Nebraska and the Illini. Yeah, 
Well, if there was ever a town that had kind of the wrong name, it's Champaign, Illinois. Uh, every time <laughs> I've stayed there, it's been yucky and gray and dull. And so it's more like Schlitz, Illinois than Champaign. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just joking. But, but no, the, uh, it's, it's, I love the fact that, that the Big Ten's going with zero week anyway, that they didn't just try to shoehorn this into the 13th of November, where Nebraska already had it filled anyway at that time with Southeast Louisiana, and now Southeast Louisiana is uh, punted off the schedule. So Fordham, you know, the old... Uh, the Fordham Vince Rams. Lombardi. Yes, old Vince Lombardi himself, right? Uh, He'll be there in spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joe Moorhead was the head coach there before he went to Penn State um, as the offensive coordinator. So, uh, but getting that week zero, I mean, I think it's really fun for the sport. I think it's great after last year. Um, what's kind of your thoughts about, I mean, are they moving spring or uh, summer practice up a week? And what's, yeah. what's kind of the excitement level for that first weekend? Well, I'm disappointed you didn't choose to break down the week one game against Fordham, but we'll we'll uh, <laughs> we'll go with Illinois. Yeah, it, pra- nothing official, but I mean, certainly practice is going to start in Lincoln at the end of July, a week earlier or five six days earlier than it would have in a normal year if if the opener was on September fourth. But this has already been in the works. I mean, Nebraska was, has been scheduled to play Illinois in week zero for um, quite some time. You know, the, the game moving from from Dublin uh, to Champaign. Uh, makes it a little easier for Nebraska in some of those preseason preparations. You don't have to plan a, an international trip in there and determine how many days you spend overseas to get acclimated with, to the time change. So this is a, you know like a regular road trip, of course. Nebraska will go out on, a, on Friday uh, the 27th, and I'd expect that practice is going to start about 30 days before that, so somewhere around uh, July 29th in, in, in that range, which, which is less than a week after Big Ten media days. So – um, for my own personal pur- purposes of planning uh, those final days of summer and how to how to enjoy them, maybe sneak in a few days off, uh, it gets a little more challenging. We'll be in uh, we'll be in Indy for that uh, that weekend before Nebraska starts starts preseason practice. Um, you know, I mentioned it's going to be hot in Champaign. It's going to be hot in Lincoln uh, yeah. at the end of July out there on the uh, on the grass and on the turf in the stadium. I'm, I'm guessing a lot of indoor. Uh, indoor facility work but you know you need to get acclimated and I'm sure Nebraska will go in the heat in July and, and, and August just so they're ready um, when they have the pads on in in, uh, in Champaign. Yeah and speaking of heat it's already been incredibly hot for this time of year it just took off and went straight into late July mode and I don't think it's gonna it's gonna bled up until uh, at least Independence Day so hopefully we can get a reprieve but uh, here we are. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I've got the College World Series on my horizon here in Omaha, okay. and uh, you know we're looking at at, uh, at ninety five degree weather uh, for that thing to get started, and unless uh, there's a break in this in this heat streak, but um, yeah, that's that's uh, I, th- I think we can all look forward to that in, uh, in in July and August too, which is which is obviously pretty normal. I know we've this is a football podcast, but I think. Maybe we should touch on briefly. I mean, the the Nebraska baseball team won the Big Ten and looked really good. And then um, maybe this is just an extension of all the issues the Big Ten had in football and how it didn't work out correctly and, and played so late. But mm-hmm. uh, but what happened with baseball? Uh, just playing an in, an interior season uh, forced uh, Nebraska to have to go on the road to number one um, Arkansas and and played 
what you know seven innings of the of the elimination game right toe to toe with them led for a couple of, what two to nothing i think early on and yeah and, but it also cost a lot of teams a chance uh iowa and indiana were right on the cusp uh, of getting into the postseason it hurt softball teams it hurt other sports uh by playing just strictly in uh, an in-conference schedule so um what's kind of the mood in, in nebraska after the baseball season and and kind of the thoughts of uh what happened in, in the in the tournament well, baseball is a big thing in Nebraska. You know, it's akin to uh, to wrestling um, over in Iowa or at Penn State. Um, you know, of course, there are other sports that have those kind of uh, followings around the Big Ten that aren't your, your your main two premier sports. Nebraska's like that with volleyball, and as are some other Big Ten programs. And and so this one, um, you know, this this month, it, it was uh, you know such a mixed bag of emotions for Nebraska with its baseball program. A lot of pride. And what Will Bolt, the coach, uh, in his first full year, the former Husker who played for Dave Van, Har- Van Horn in, in his playing time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Van Horn, of course, is now the coach at Arkansas, uh, which hosted Nebraska in the regional last weekend. Um, also, a lot of disappointment. Um, I think a lot of resentment back toward the Big Ten because clearly the Big Ten is what caused this problem for Nebraska and for well, for Michigan and for Maryland, yeah. which made the 64-team field, and for Indiana and Iowa, as you mentioned, baseball programs this year that deserve to be in the NCAA postseason but didn't get that opportunity because the selection committee had no data to compare those teams to uh, uh, other programs in the country. The, the, the Big Ten, um, it took up residence with the Ivy League this spring mm-hmm. in deciding that it would not play – non-conference games in a sport that's played outdoors, you know, through the spring and into the early part of the summer. Um, All of the other power leagues, all of the other mid-major leagues, they played non-conference. They gave the selection committee those data points to be able to compare teams from conference to conference that had common opponents. The Big Ten had zero common opponents with any other league in the country. So if you're the NCAA selection committee, you have nothing to compare that team to. And, and as Eric Bakich, the coach at Michigan, said after the selection Monday process, he wouldn't have blamed the NCAA if it had taken only one team from the Big Ten, that being Nebraska, the uh, the automatic entry as the league champ for the postseason because there was just no data. There was nothing to compare this league to, and, and that's that's squarely on the Big Ten. Just it was it was a um, it was a bad decision. It was the Big Ten just punting on the sport of baseball and the sport of softball this this season. You saw the Big Ten and, and its commitment. Obviously, there's a commitment to basketball. I mean, we know that it's a it's a a marquee yeah. sport for the league, but um, the the whole thing was handled completely different. Um, with the way that that the league approached non-conference opportunities, and, and then that showed in the in the way that the postseason was was seeded and put together. So for Nebraska, ultimately, it cost the Huskers a chance to host in in June, um, and the end result was Nebraska going to Arkansas, the number one team in the country. And and to their credit, uh, the Huskers didn't hang their heads. They put up a great fight. They went toe to toe with with the Hogs in front of eleven thousand people. They won the second game. Um, of the head-to-head between those two teams, forced it to a winner-take-all Monday. Uh, as you said, we're, we're ahead early. Uh, we're tied 2-2 two to two in the eighth inning, and, and uh, Arkansas scored four runs. Things fell apart for Nebraska on the mound a bit in that eighth inning, and, and the season is over. So, uh, But there's a lot of optimism about what's ahead. You know, it's just, it's just confounding 
that the Big Ten one year after Michigan went to the College World Series finals against Vanderbilt and came within one victory of winning the national championship, that the Big Ten had this attitude about a sport that has been emerging and has been gaining momentum. Uh, You had Indiana in the College World Series a few years ago. I mentioned Michigan. Obviously, Omaha sits within the footprint of the Big Ten Conference. This is the longtime home of the College World Series, and uh, the league showed showed just a – you know, an inability or, or, or a reluctance to support baseball um, here during the during the pandemic. Yeah, it was, it was poor. It was poor planning all the way around. I, I look at men's and women's basketball had non-conference games, and this was still at the height of uh, of the pandemic. At least from there was no there were no vaccines at that point, and yet iowa's playing iowa state and nebraska's playing what creighton and other teams uh there's the acc big 10 challenge and basketball there's a lot more close contact i mean there's a lot of sweating on each other there's uh, face-to-face guarding i mean just all that versus baseball and softball where it's pretty much built for social distancing except for the batter and the catcher and the and the umpire behind him so i just i felt like and then the schedule was released so late. Yes, it was done without you know any kind of forethought at all, and and it cost teams. It cost Nebraska. If Nebraska may not have been one of the top sixteen seeds, however, it may have gone to the number twenty one. You know, it might have been twenty one, and it might have gone to the what 14, 13, 12, whatever seed instead of number one overall. That was that's awfully. Uh, that that just makes Nebraska look like it's a just a team that got in instead of a very good team, which what it was. Um, it hurt teams that had an opportunity to get to the postseason. Iowa being among them, uh, one game away from from being there. So, I, I think overall this was this was a failure of a year by the Big Ten um, in so many different ways. And it's not even a can you look back and learn from this. It's this is this is bad, and it, it really. <laughs> either the athletic directors need to, to make some forceful decisions or some things need to change within the conference to ensure not only does this not happen again, but that this is not a detriment to the league going forward in all of these sports. Yeah, you know, there's there's no there's no good timing to have a mm-hmm. pandemic. Uh, it's, yeah. it's terrible whenever it occurs, and in no way in this discussion – are we trying to minimize, you know, the 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 priority of safety for student athletes, for coaches, for officials, for fans? But the Big Ten's lack of experience in key leadership positions could not have been more poorly timed. If Kevin Warren, as the commissioner, was five years into his tenure when this kind of a situation arose, I think the Big Ten would have been much more well equipped to come to decisions that best served everyone as opposed to what happened. And the fact that he was right at the beginning and you had a great leader in the conference like Jim Phillips, who was on his way out at Northwestern. Now he was there for most of this. You have Barry Alvarez, who is on his way out at Wisconsin this stuff, it, it just didn't line up well for the Big Ten in terms of leadership. Um, you know, I, I think Jim Delaney would have handled this, this this last year 
in a different way. He's an ex- was an extremely strong leader. You know, was, was had conviction in his decisions. Had the, the rest of college athletics had confidence that Jim Delaney was going to do the right things when it came to football or basketball, and even in the sports that the Big Ten has not traditionally succeeded in, he was a trusted voice and a trusted um, a visionary. So um, it's been rough for sure these last. 10, 11 months for the league. And, and, you know, let's hope moving forward that the Big Ten can learn from what has happened in the 2020-21 academic year and, and put its best foot forward um, as, you know, we get past this stuff. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Yeah, and then there, there are other issues that, that'll be discussed. You know, really even this month and a week or two and and we'll get to those that kind of at the end of the episode which is nil and college football playoff expansion both of which are um, going to happen it's just a matter of when as opposed to you know if but uh really the the best part to have you on here mitch is to take a look at the huskers and uh year four now with scott frost uh i think everybody uh in the big 10 was aware when scott frost was hired that you know, the prodigal son returns home. I mean, he had a 12-0 season and a, and a big-time bowl win over Auburn in his, you know, what, second year, I believe it was, at UCF. It looked like he was going to be able to come and, and restore uh, Nebraska, if not to, you know, heights, you know, certainly into to wins against, comp- you know, league competition, divisional competition, and then and take Nebraska in a winning area. Hasn't quite happened yet. Granted, the pandemic has kind of turned everything upside down. But uh, looking at year four, and you put together your uh, state of the program on this program, what can we expect, and and what are the expectations of of Nebraska under Scott Frost uh, entering this season? Well, if you talk to Bill Moose, the athletic director at Nebraska, the expectations or what's realistic is for the Huskers to win eight or nine games here in year four. And that was a – uh, a proclamation that Moose made uh, a couple of months ago in an interview on his radio show surprised, I think, a few people around the state of Nebraska that that he went out on that limb. But, um, hey, you know, it's time. It's time for Nebraska to to have those kind of expectations, um, to, 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 to feel that that is realistic. This is no longer a transition for Scott Frost and his staff. They are into the thick of this with their players, the guys that they recruited, the guys that they have had an opportunity to develop. And if you're not in a position at Nebraska to be able to have those expectations that this, this is a team that should consistently win – we're not talking about national championships. We're not talking about Big Ten championships. 
right. talking about a team that can consistently win, that can be in contention for a division championship. If you don't have those expectations, what are we doing? You know, where is this thing going? So um, while it may have been somewhat of a shock to the system uh, after 12 wins in three years to hear the athletic director say it's realistic to go for eight or nine in year four, that's what it should be. And if you can't, uh, if you can't accept that, if, if that's not what your vision is, then um, you need to take a hard look at what's going on in this program. Um, the fact that we are here in year four and there are some who feel that eight or nine wins is outside the realm of being realistic, I think that speaks significantly to the lack of progress that has occurred on the field. Because off the field, there's been progress. There has been uh, improvements in the way that Nebraska develops its players. Um, there's been improvements in recruiting. There's been there, there's been improvements in other areas of the program um, as far as the resources and the way that Nebraska supports its its, its players. Uh, but they haven't shown up on the field. And what Bill Moose was saying with those comments is now it's time for it to show up on the field. And and he's right. Uh, a place like Nebraska, again, I, you know, the state and the school that I cover, uh, there are a lot of people who like to thumb their nose across the Missouri River. And it works both ways, and, it, and it's good banter. It, it leads does. to rivalries, and it's fun. Sometimes it's a little overwhelming, but it, it all that's what college football is all about. Uh, but a place like Nebraska, with its tradition, with its history, and I think you're right that very few – only the only the crazy old timers are really expecting them to go twelve and zero and win a national title anytime soon. Uh, but there is a, a reality that when you have a stadium, when you have that kind of history, when you have those resources, their tradition, you're spending it on on the coaches. You brought somebody back with that kind of track record. You're recruiting at a higher level than everybody else in the division, and yet you're uh, you know three and six last year. You've lost to you know every team in the Big Ten West in their most recent game except Purdue, but before beating Purdue, it was, it was all of them. I think that there's a, a reality that needs to come to play that Nebraska has to start winning these games. And maybe it's not all of them. Maybe it's only half of them. Uh, but getting to a bowl game, to me, which it would have been – I mean, that got, that got one coach fired just get going winning seven games uh, previously, and that was back in – 2000s and then even Bo Pelini you know losing only four games every year was that was too low of a standard I think there needs that at least getting to a bowl game has to be kind of the minimum standard or otherwise they have to take a really strong look at the future of this program yeah and Nebraska's stuck in a, in a, in a hard place and Bill Moose is stuck in a hard place because they're committed to Scott Frost long term you know we talk about all of these things this has to happen this is a requirement Here's the bare minimum. All those things are valid and they're realistic, but you know you can always say you can always say, well, what if they don't? What if they don't get there? What are they going to do? They're not going to make a change. Uh, you know, I mean, hey, if Nebraska goes two and ten, okay, maybe they're going to make a change. But uh, if, if you continue with this mediocrity, mediocrity that's like a few rungs below the bare minimum, which is where I'd say Nebraska's been in these first three years, or at least mm -hmm. the year two and year three. What do you do? You're building a $155 million facility. It's coming out of the ground right now, set to open in 2023, completely designed for the program that Scott Frost wants. 
you, you've, you've put huge amounts of effort into the fundraising for that building, thrown every resource you've got toward building the, the, this complex for Scott Frost. All of this is geared for him to have the opportunities to succeed. It's going to take something incredibly drastic for Nebraska to make the decision in the middle of that project, in the middle of this movement, that it, that it, it needs to go in another direction. I just don't see any any way that it's going to happen. You're you're in this for the long haul, which it's it, it becomes painful then for the fan base, um, you know, for uh, the players to you know to find ways to continue to generate momentum. Um, a lot of times. At least I've seen this at Nebraska, and I think you know this isn't this isn't this isn't the 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 way it works at Iowa because it's had such continuity with its coaches going back four decades. But um, the way it is at Nebraska uh, over the last couple of decades is that well, hey, when you do make a coaching change, at least then there's 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 new energy, there's 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 new optimism, there's new hope, there's something different on the horizon, and. Really, as bad as it gets over at least these next couple of years, that's not going to be the case. And, I, and and ultimately, I think that's good because Nebraska does need continuity, and it needs to be committed to this to this project that it's that it's 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 it, that it's it's invested in with Scott Frost. So um, maybe it's going to be painful uh, to 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 find your way to uh, to have the best opportunity to get back to. Uh, respectability and relevance within your, your own league and your own division, um, but uh, but Nebraska needs to stay committed to that. And uh, you know, it, the sooner the, the sooner that they, they they reach these these this next set of goals, obviously the better. Yeah, and I think if we go with the worst case scenario, and then we'll and then I'll just touch on this one briefly. But is uh, if it is a two and ten year, if they do lose the opener to Illinois and maybe win two or three games out of that bunch, I think the message gets sent with the athletic director. I think mm-hmm. first, I think that's when they, okay, let's make the change at AD, bring somebody else in who then could evaluate the football program. But I think in this case, what makes it doubly difficult is you look at the last say three coaches that were let go at Nebraska. Uh, Mike Riley was not from Nebraska, had no ties. It was a bad hire, a bad fit all the way around, uh, and that was proven. Uh, Bo Pelini wasn't well liked. You know, he was an ass- assistant there for a while before that. had had a good track record, just never really showed up in the big moments. And then Bill Callahan was a terrible hire for a million reasons. Uh, Scott Frost is your guy. I mean, is Nebraska's guy. I mean, he's from Nebraska. He played at Nebraska, won championships from there. He's uh, the he's everything that Nebraska fans wanted in a coach. He remembered the old days, but he also wanted to build them towards something new. And and I think so. There's a lot more emotion maybe tied up with this higher than certainly the other ones where if the, if the names were changed, if this was Mike Riley after year three. You know, maybe it's okay. This is do or die. Whereas with Scott Frost, it's eh, let's give him some more time. It's we're frustrated, but you know, it's time to it's time to take a step forward, and we think he can. And and all the positive rhetoric that is there for somebody like him. Yeah, you know, they've done the three year thing. They've done the the you know we're going to move on after after a short period of time. Pelini got seven years, but Riley got three. You know, Callahan got got four. Um, they're not going back down that road. There, mm-hmm. this is this is, and 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 I don't and look. I Nebraska's not going two and ten. 
in right. in 2021. Um, this is an improved team. It's an improved program. Um, it's a program that I would say looks worse on paper with the way that games have gone in terms of the results than what is actually happening. And some of that is coaching. Uh, when you lose close games consistently with better talent at times than your opponents and equal talent at times to your opponents, then that comes back on the decisions late in the games. It comes back on what's being instilled in these players and, and how confident they are in those moments. And some of that, you know, it's got to happen organically. It's got to happen. But you only learn how to win by winning. But we've seen it in this Iowa series under Frost. They've been close games. They've been down to the wire each year and every time. Iowa's come out on top and going into the final moments of those games, you know, you tell me if you feel the same way, but I've, I've expected Iowa to find the way to win those games because it's a program in those moments that knows how to do it. And Nebraska's not to that place yet. So um, that's, that's a difficult place for, for, I think a lot of people to accept that Nebraska is, but it's, it's uh, that's, it's reality. Yeah. And I think for me, some of the disconnect in what I've seen from Nebraska up close versus what I've seen from them against other programs is that uh, they play really hard against Iowa. I think they've been well coached in those games. Um, Iowa has had some pretty good teams um, the last handful of years. You know, they won nine games, won ten games. Last year they were six and two, but playing really well late in the year. Uh, so there was uh, those games stand out to me is this is what Nebraska could be. Nebraska could be a bowl team if they can perform at this level. It's the games against Illinois and it's the games against uh, you Minnesota. Know, Minnesota, you know, that you go, what, what happened here? Why are they, uh, Minnesota doesn't have 33 kids and they're still, you know, half their lineup are true freshmen. And yet they're beating you. Uh, Illinois, did you even show up? You know, or, but then again, you play, Penn State last year in Iowa and looked like, okay, these this team's ready to compete. And I think that goes back to your point of coaching is consistency, consistency of message, um, attitude, everything. Because sure, if they would have uh, had some of the efforts that they've had against Iowa, say the last three years, because they've all either come down, they've come down to the end of the game in, in the last three years. If they would have had those against a Minnesota or, or an Illinois I think they maybe it would have gone to a bowl game by now. I think I speak for a lot of people who follow the program closely when, you know, looking specifically at that Illinois game a year ago, 41-23, Illinois comes into Lincoln and dominates Nebraska really from the beginning of that game when there were poor decisions made. There was a poor decision made on on how to how to operate the first play. You know, we remember mm-hmm. Luke McCaffrey throwing the ball backwards and it's a turnover and and then the defense is uninspired. And there was talk after that game by Nebraska players and I don't know if this is just them thinking they're supposed to say this because it's what they've heard other, you know, pro players say or or it's just how they think they're supposed to answer, but but you heard comments like, you know, we had a letdown after beating Penn State a week ago. How? What, what do you yeah. mean? Like, you had not arrived. You beat a right. winless Penn State team. What are you talking about yet a letdown? I mean, do you see these teams out there that you're striving to be who are consistent week in, week out? I mean, you're not trying to be Alabama or Clemson and win all your games. You're trying to be like Iowa or Wisconsin or Northwestern. Teams that give the same effort week after week after week. So how how do you have a letdown? 
How do you have a bad week of practice after a decent performance in a win against Penn State that could have been a spark plug for you, that could have that could have buoyed your season and gotten you over a hump as a program? Instead, you you do so. So I those are the things that I think frustrate people so much that you hear those kind of comments like they're like, well, we had a bad week of practice because we we were content with that win against Penn State. <laughs> ah, it's yeah. just not it's just not the way it should work. Yeah, right. And uh, it shouldn't work for any program, frankly. And at Nebraska, that's a that's a hollow excuse. You know, that's not a reason. That's not. It's not like you beat the number one team in the country and fell down. I mean, you beat a winless Penn State team that wasn't very good. So those those excuses kind of have to dry up from now on. But that said, uh, you know, I feel like I've been the the negative Nelly here on all this. I actually think that they have the best roster that Nebraska's had since 2016 under Mike Riley's second year. And I think they have the best roster that they've had under Scott Frost. And the schedule um, up until the final month is conducive enough outside of one game to where they can actually make a run and be very competitive in not only in the divisional race, but but getting to a bowl game. Um, I love the way the defense looks. I think it's improved and they got a ton of guys back. And I also like the quarterback. He's had some consistency issues from time to time, but I think he was like 18-20 in the Iowa game, Adrian Martinez. Um, he's not the, the Heisman guy that everybody kind of thought a couple years ago, but I think there's a lot there. And uh, the fact that Luke McCaffrey transferred out of the program kind of shows you that it's, it seems to me anyway, it's Adrian Martinez's team, you know, ride or die. I mean, what's, what's kind of your thoughts on the quarterback and how far could he take this offense? Yeah, he's a great leader. Um, and, and, you know, people are going to be critical of him because of some of the things that have happened on his watch with the offense. Nebraska was not an explosive offense a year ago. It didn't have playmakers at the running back spot. Um, it had, had, a, had difficulty throwing the ball down the field. Martinez was very good with his with his completion percentage. You mentioned the Iowa game where he hit basically all of his passes, but they weren't big plays. Um, they weren't stretching the field. He, um, you know, he was accurate, um, but even moving the chains was was difficult in the times where Nebraska needed to do it last year against against good opponents and even mediocre opponents like Minnesota and, and, and Illinois. So there needs to be an upgrade there. Um, you can look at Adrian Martinez. And I think you can make a case that he's the second best returning quarterback in the Big Ten behind Michael Penix. Um, and then you can look at Adrian Martinez and the Nebraska quarterback situation and you can say, well, they're like eighth or ninth in the league in terms of what you would expect out of them if you're basing it specifically on past results. So that's it's it's unusual with the with a, a fourth year starter to find that wide of a variance in how things could go. Um, a lot of it, I think, depends on the pieces around him. And the biggest thing that Nebraska did in spring practice, um, the most important thing, the best thing it did was it upgraded those wide receivers. Mm -hmm. And no longer is Nebraska sending out the five foot nine, five foot ten core wide receivers that Troy Walters, the former offensive coordinator, seemed to favor. And, you know, and he was that kind of guy and he won the Bolitnikoff award at Stanford and went to the NFL as a smaller receiver. And then he, and then he thrived at Nebraska early in, in his first year with guys like JD Spielman. And then it moved on to Wandale Robinson, who was a smaller guy. Well, they're all gone. Um, Robinson has transferred to Kentucky, which is a loss for Nebraska, but they've replaced him with Oliver Martin. They've replaced him, you know, the former Iowa and Michigan receiver. Mm -hmm. um, they replaced him with Omar Manning, a six foot four, 225 pound guy 
guy who looks like he plays for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they've got to tap into that potential. He was unavailable a year ago to even get on the field. They've replaced him with Samari Toure, the FCS transfer who's six foot two, six foot three, and a clear leader among this group of receivers. So they're different looking at the wide receiver position for sure this year. And that should be a huge boost to Martinez. He has guys to throw to who can go up and get the ball, who can stretch the field. We will see. We'll see if what if what happened in the spring translates to the fall. We'll see on August 28th if Nebraska can throw the ball down the field and make plays with its wide receivers and with its tight ends who are also upgraded in this offense. Austin Allen and Travis Vokalek are are big, rangy guys who can do a lot of things at that position. So there should be a different look with this Nebraska offense and its passing game this year, even if the completion percentage numbers aren't up in the 70s like we saw last year. If they can stretch the field and they can develop some kind of a running game with the running backs who are a big question going into the season, um, this offense should be better. It should be more efficient. It should be more productive. Um, and then they can rely on the defense to uh, to win games. The offense has to hold its own, though. Um, defensively, you didn't ask me about this, but um, yeah. and, and I'll get back to you here. But defensively, they are much improved. Um, well, they were much improved last year, and they're going to pick up, it, it would seem, where they left off in 2020. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by Marquez Stepp. You know, he was, you know, he's from Indiana. Um, mm-hmm. I know Iowa, Notre Dame were really in on him, and then he went to USC, and now he's transferring to to Nebraska. I like I like the receivers. It's just I think over the years we've seen Nebraska have some great athletes. J.D. Spielman, you brought up, Wandale Robinson, some others on the outside that really they flashed at different times. Demorne personnel, even um, you know they've they've uh, flashed and then they've kind of gone away, and mm-hmm. then they transfer in a lot of cases, and that's. I'm I'm sure that's got to be really frustrating for for Nebraska fans because uh, you get your emotions wrapped up in a certain player and then he leaves and Wandale Robinson was kind of like that proverbial Swiss Army knife but in some ways did that hold Nebraska back having players that could do multiple things but not really excel at one specific thing and uh, kind of kept the offense 
weirdly stagnant having that kind of um, versatility. You know, you live and you die by the transfers in this in this day and age of college football. And, you know, while Nebraska's lost a ton of guys, all of those receivers that I mentioned with Martin and, and, and Manning and, and Toure, they all came via the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, same thing with Marquis Stepp, the running back who, who you mentioned. And and Marquis Stepp it was a, had a setback in the spring and had to have surgery from an injury that was, was left over from his time at USC – um, we'll see if he goes into the fall, into the you know, in preseason camp, still as the favorite to win that running back spot. I, I, I think that after the spring, a guy to watch, and this is not a name that's known around the Big Ten, but true freshman Gabe Irvin, uh, out of Georgia, he was impressive and was versatile in his time on the field in the spring. Uh, he's going to get an opportunity to be the guy who a, a guy who carries the ball. Nebraska needs three guys to carry the ball. That's. That's the uh, the plan for running backs coach Ryan Held, and that's what Scott Frost wants. They need they need versatile guys who can catch it out of the backfield, who can protect Adrian Martinez, and who can pick up first downs. and And Gabe Irvin showed the ability to do all of those things as a as a as a true freshman um, early enrollee. You know, kind of like what uh, what people in Iowa saw with Keegan Johnson, the 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 receiver out of Bellevue West, who was so impressive for the Hawkeyes in the spring. Uh, Gabe Irvin was was kind of the guy like that on the offensive side for Nebraska in 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 may and and in april and may so um keep an eye on him keep an eye on step keep an eye on on jacques yant the big back out of tallahassee who earned a scholarship after spring i mean he's a thumper 245 pounds um and uh you know he, he can definitely uh thrive in this uh this big 10 um you know the phys- the physicality of the big 10 when they get into november and the schedule turns tough like you mentioned um mm-hmm. that's when you know, you it's it's going to be beneficial to have a guy like like Yant. That's when it's going to be, be beneficial to have that physical defense with all of those sixth year seniors. And for Nebraska, uh, hopefully, an improved special teams. It's uh, special teams has been an area uh, under Scott Frost that has suffered so much, and it's been a focus this this uh, this off season. I, I think finally it's been a focus. It's somehow it wasn't for the first two years, especially after the first season. Um, it, it was puzzling not for Nebraska not to focus as much on that, but um, they've put Mike Dawson, the outside linebackers coach, in charge of special teams. He's on the field with the players. Um, you know, they've got a scholarship punter. They've got an All Big Ten kicker. Um, they seem to have some good return specialists. They found it would appear a freshman who can handle kickoffs and get them out of the end zone. So, uh, you know, guys like guys like uh, Amir Smith Marset um, aren't racing down the field uh, returning <laughs> kickoffs. Uh, for touchdowns, uh, you know, and some others in the Big Ten did the same thing. So um, the pieces are there for Nebraska offensively, defensively, and on special teams to have a winning season. Um, but again, it's all got to be it's all got to be put into place, and they've got to produce on Saturdays. You know, if there's one area that I've kind of noticed over the span of uh, Nebraska's entry into the Big Ten, which uh, what is uh, we're less than well three weeks and one day, I think, from the anniversary, the ten year anniversary of when they made it official, but uh, it's really line of scrimmage play. Uh, And I think that's probably the difference that I've seen between Wisconsin and Iowa and even Minnesota uh, and and Nebraska is just how developed and how that's such a primary principle at those schools. And that's how they've been successful all the years. And and Nebraska has kind of been inconsistent, uh, whether it's even fundamentals and techniques to, to, to performance what do you think of the offensive line? Um, is the offensive line capable of going toe-to-toe with those teams and, and then Ohio State and the first uh, Saturday in, in November? And 
and holding its own, being competitive, or is that going to be a real tough area for uh, for the Huskers this year? Well, you know, we haven't even mentioned the Oklahoma game on September 18th. You know, yeah, we've made kind right. of passing reference to it that there was that one game out there in the early part of the schedule that's not really winnable for Nebraska, and of course that's that's Oklahoma. I don't expect Nebraska's offensive line to go into that Oklahoma game and and, and dominate the line of scrimmage. I don't expect Nebraska to to, uh, to dominate the line of scrimmage against Wisconsin or Ohio State or Iowa, but. Four years into the development of this thing with Greg Austin, the offensive line coach, and now Matt Lubick in his second year as the offensive coordinator, Nebraska is undoubtedly better up front than it was at the beginning of this thing. There's depth, there's physicality, there's athleticism at the key positions on the offensive line. Cam Jurgens as a center, you saw all of his problems in the Iowa game last year when, when he got the yips and, and those snaps were going all over the place. He swears that's a thing of the past, and if it is a thing of the past, he is as athletic and and can be as dominant as any center in college football. You know, I'm not going to say that about a lot of Nebraska players. I'm not going to put a lot of Nebraska players on par with you know the top guys in the SEC and say this guy can go toe to toe. You put him in the NFL Combine, he's going to look just as good. Cam Jurgens is that guy as a center, but he's got to be able to snap the ball to his quarterback. Um, yeah, right. I think he can probably do that this year if he can. Look out, because he's a, he's an all Big Ten caliber player. Nebraska has yeah. a potential first round pick at left tackle with Turner Corcoran, who's a true freshman and, and started um, in the season finale a year ago. Um, so there is some high end talent on that offensive line. Bryce Benhart at right tackle, um, former four star signee out of Minnesota, um, has had his ups and downs in in his in his first. Uh, period of time his first year as a starter full-time starter last year but he's another guy with a, with a lot of high-end potential and then there's depth there there's the, there's there's older guys like Matt Sichterman moving into a spot um, where he's going to start at guard um, they've got uh, nine or ten players on that offensive line who can play including Ezra Miller um, yeah. uh, I'm going to bring up uh, all of the Iowa transfers for you <laughs> uh, the, the uh, uh, former Hawkeye who's now in Lincoln and is a key backup on the offensive line plays guard and tackle for the Huskers so um, there is size there is depth there is physicality um, there is the ability to get it done as a strong team in, in in run and pass blocking so I think it's one of the areas over the last let's go you know year and a half that has improved the most maybe the area that has improved the most for Nebraska uh, roster wide Okay. Defense, I saw significant improvement year over year last year. Um, not only the statistics certainly bear it out, but so does just performance and the, and the small things, the techniques, the the, uh, the drive, all, all those things. And granted, they had some letdowns and they had some bad games, but they also had some decent games. And I think they have maybe one of the, uh, the better players on defense in the Big Ten in, uh, in JoJo Doman. What, um, you know, right now, is this the type of defense that can keep Nebraska in games, you know, especially against even competition, to enable that offense to grow and, and be able to win games in the fourth quarter? If that's the way they coach this team, then yes. If they slow down the tempo a bit on offense, I mean, you see what Iowa and Wisconsin do to allow their defenses to succeed. First of all, they build a strong special teams unit so that the field position is not always tilted against them when they get on the field w with defense. And that's what Nebraska is striving to do and continues to strive to do. And then on the offensive side, they don't turn it over. 
they put their defense in positions to, to be able to be successful and, you know, again, have that field tilted in their favor. So Nebraska has to be committed to winning with its defense in order to do it. This isn't, the you know, a defense that's full of uh, NFL, future NFL players at every position, and you can just throw them out there at the 50-yard line average field position and expect them to pitch a shutout. They still need to be put in positions to succeed. So that starts at the coaching level, and it's how you're going to coach your offense. It's how you're going to rely on your special teams. Um, and then if that works out and they're a team that's built to allow their defense to lead, then 100% yes. This is the kind of a defense that can be strong and can lead this team and can win games for this team. You mentioned Doman. Um, I'll mention Cam Taylor-Britt at the corner spot. Um, yeah. I think he also was one of the better players in the Big Ten going into this season. So those two right there, you know, Ty Robinson as a guy up front has that kind of high-end potential. Um, Nebraska has has Luke Reimer at inside linebacker, another guy with an NFL future most likely who, who has the similar potential. Chris Kolarvik, uh, transfer from UNI, um, a, a, a big-time player who with the injury to Will Honus at the end of spring for Nebraska is going to step into a starting spot. Uh, two sixth-year seniors at the safety positions, a fifth-year junior and Damian Daniels in the middle at, at, at nose tackle. So there's a lot there. Ben Stilley, a sixth-year senior for Nebraska at defensive end who can be a, a key pass rusher. You have Garrett Nelson as an outside linebacker who's done a lot in his two years in the program. Um, there's a lot there. There's a lot more there on the defensive side that's proven than there is anywhere else on the field for Nebraska. So um, it needs to be, especially early in the season, the, the, the phase of this team that leads Nebraska and allows them to stay in games and have opportunities to win at the end. Yeah, I think you're, uh, you know, you're spot on. I, I do think this is a team that's capable of, of doing all of those things. Now, will it? That's that's where coaching steps in, and that's where, you know, how has this affected Scott Frost, maybe not his staff, but certainly Scott Frost four years in to not have this, you know, to walk in and, uh, you know, hopefully the, the, the opponents are <laughs> working about us, um, that now he's had to try to time to build this program. Have you seen any changes in him as a head coach? Oh, that's a great question, and I wish I had a better answer for you because you know it, 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 he's not a guy that that the public gets really close to and is able to see. Um, there are the media opportunities that we get. You know, Scott is on the field at the camps that are open to the public, um, but he's pretty close to the vest on. You know how we we know that he cares a great deal. There's never any question about that. May, there may have been questions about that with Bill Callahan or with Mike Riley, but this is a guy whose life has has for for decades revolved around uh, football, and in particular Nebraska football. You know, even when he was at Oregon, um, you know, he cared deeply about Nebraska football and continues, of course, to do that to this day. But um, you know. I, it's it, it can't be easy, and you know he's uh, he's at times um, you know cracked the door on shedding some light about how this difficult start for him has has impacted him. But it's 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 it, it you know you know it eats at him. It's it's you know he wanted to come back to Nebraska and produce a team that could make everyone proud, and he wanted to do it um, you know for. For Tom Osborne, and he wanted to do it for the people in Nebraska, and he wanted to do it, you know, for for his parents, um, whose own blood, sweat, and tears 
has been poured into the University of Nebraska. And, you know, Scott lost his dad, Larry, um, last year. Um, and, and so, you know, of course, that was so tough for him. You know, so much of these three years has just been a grind. And, and you know, there's been a lot of pain and, and – you know, the, the, you know, losing games does not compare to losing losing your father. And I'm kind of grouping this all together, but I, I just, I'm just trying to paint the picture that it's been a rough time. It's been a difficult time for Scott Frost to, um, you know, to to live out what ultimately was a dream of his, his to be the coach of the of this team and the leader of this program. So, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes I guess be careful what you wish for. Um, and and, and uh, you know, it was I'm sure it was easier for him to run a program in Orlando. Um, that had had some of the things working for them that they did at UCF, but this is you know this is this is what he wanted. This is uh, this is what he's dreamed of. This is this is where the the great rewards are for him personally and professionally if if he can get this thing turned around. But um, it has not been easy over these uh, these forty forty one months or so since he took this job. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick peek at the schedule, and then we'll we'll kind of peel around the rest of the Big Ten briefly and. Uh, number one, we talked about the the game against Illinois, and I, the, my only disappointment was that wasn't a, a prime time game. Now I'm sure mm-hmm. most of the our former uh, friends at uh, newspapers are thrilled if that's the case, but uh, I'm okay that, with it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> now the older we get, the better it is. But no, but but seriously, I think that this is a tone setting game for both programs. I mean, mm-hmm. Bielema's going to want to play Bielema ball, you know, line it up and and run fullback and two tight ends and be real physical and, and set a tone. And, and uh, of course, Nebraska needs to get off to a, a good start. So I think this is this could set the tone for either team's season, um, no matter how much for the result, certainly, but just to the style of play and the, and the way that each team plays. Yeah, it's a huge game. Uh, you know, you, 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 if Nebraska comes out of this game with a win, I think the likelihood that it reaches a bowl game at the end of the season – is well above 50% because you've got a road win and you're in, in, in the conference. If Nebraska loses this game at the start of the season, that likelihood, it, it dips down below 50%. So there's so much it's, – it's, it's interesting that there's so much riding on a week zero game, and usually you don't see that in these kind of games, you know, even if they are in conference. But this is, this is different in that way. And, and, and you, know, that you, you have in the back of your mind – when this game kicks off, what happened a year ago in Lincoln when Nebraska was was out outclassed by an outgoing coach at Illinois, and you think, all right, so we, now they've got this new energy with Bielema. Um, is uh, how does that how does that factor into into August twenty eighth for Nebraska? It just can't. Um, you're playing a coach who's coaching his first game. They're they're going to be. <laughs> They're going to be swimming in it. That's just that's just that's just the way it is. When a, when a, you know, I think back to Scott Frost's first game at Nebraska, and and you know, it was it was that Colorado game, and and, and they got off to a bad start. And and yes, there was a lot of energy and momentum um, because of the excitement from the from the new coach. But um, this is a fourth year program going against a guy who's in his first game as coach. So uh, Nebraska has to win that game. But it's plain and simple. And it's fascinating because I think Illinois had more super seniors than any other program. Um, you know, it was a hard-hitting defense, as hard-hitting defense as I saw all year. Also, wasn't that good of a team. Um, and they do have return Brandon Peters, a quarterback. But then, uh, you know, playing Fordham right off, I think that's a win. You know, I mean, I think we need to talk about it. But right. Buffalo would have been fascinating um, with Lance Leopold 
but you know now that he's at Kansas, I don't know that because <laughs> that that was the type of game we've seen it year after year after year. Matt Coach, who's kind of discussed for big jobs, goes on the road and beats a Big Ten team and kind of, okay, stamps his ticket to the next destination. But I don't think that's going to be quite the same situation as before. Um, I do think Nebraska is the better team and Nebraska should win that game. Then going to see OU, and I'm glad this game is taking place. Um, that was somewhat in danger a few months ago. Uh, what's kind of been the, the thought uh, the, the feedback in the the Lincoln and Omaha areas for a game that uh, for 50, uh, 50 years from the game of the century, it just, uh, of course, the kickoff time seems to be a problem for some people in Oklahoma. Yeah, we're not even going to go down the rabbit hole of the of the, the talks about canceling this game. That's that's uh, that's another episode uh, <laughs> of the big football show. Um, yeah, and, and the same thing with the kickoff. Like Joe Castiglione, the Oklahoma athletic director, was upset that he couldn't get a night game in Norman on September 18th. Um, instead, it's the big noon kickoff on Fox, and that's Fox's primetime game. You know, you're going to have Gus Johnson there. It's it's uh, it's going to be fun. And I, I I spent about five minutes worrying about uh, that that uh, that controversy. So um, the 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 important thing to know about the Oklahoma game is that Nebraska is going to be playing a top five team, and you're going to have Spencer Rattler at quarterback, who is probably a, a, a not probably he is a Heisman candidate in in his second year as a starter at Oklahoma because that's what Oklahoma quarterbacks do and who they are, and it's going to be a real test, maybe the first big time test or certainly the you you would expect that to be the first big time test for this tested Nebraska defense this this experienced Nebraska defense um they're going to have their hands full that day I don't expect Nebraska to to come out of Norman with a win but um it's important to show well it's important not to lose uh you know 42 to 10 on on Mm -hmm. that day and and you and then you go into Big Ten play the following week at Michigan State feeling good about yourself um, presumably, hopefully, um, in a, in a in a decent scenario at three and one to start Big Ten play with with what's a pretty manageable uh, start to the to mm-hmm. to the conference schedule at Michigan State, a rebuilding program. You got Northwestern on October second in Lincoln, a team that lost a ton from a year ago, and then Michigan comes into Lincoln um, as another team that's right. just in the throes of. Um, uncertainty and upheaval after a, a really tough year in the pandemic. Right. I, I was going to say that that four-week stretch is going to determine everything about this season for Nebraska. You know, at Michigan State, Northwestern at home, Michigan at home, and then at Minnesota. I think, you know, Nebraska has an opportunity to win all of those games. I'm not saying they will, but Michigan State looked horrific at times last year and then won games that they shouldn't have won. I mean, they beat Northwestern and then they lose 49 to seven at Kinnick. Uh, Northwestern lost a ton. I, I think it, it's going to, it seems to me to be a treading water year for, for the Wildcats, even though I, I should kick myself in the head every year for saying stuff like that, because they always find a way to, you know, just go from being an also ran to a champion. But I, I do think they lost too much on that defense to really be a championship caliber team. Michigan played more poorly through the last couple of weeks of the season before they completely punted uh, than any team in the league. And I think anybody could have beaten them in late November, early December. And then finally at Minnesota, um, 
today, I would say Minnesota's the better team, but I'd also say they're not that much better to where somebody can't, you know, Nebraska can't go there and win. So if Nebraska's three and one at that point, you know, at worst, you get a split out of those four games, and if not, if you go three and one again, then you're six and two heading down the stretch, and you feel pretty good about yourself. Right. I mean, that Minnesota game is such a wild card because Nebraska has not played well against the Gophers, especially the last couple of years, or 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 a, a, exactly the last couple of years uh, mm-hmm. with Scott Frost as coach. Um, I think if if those weeks before Minnesota go well, and Nebraska has the two home games right before that with Northwestern and Michigan, and those games both, as you said, are winnable. If those go well, then I would expect Nebraska to go up and sh- go up to Minneapolis and 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 play like a good team. But if things go poorly at home for Nebraska on October second and October 9th, then you get into the snowball effect, and and, and I mean that figuratively. Although there may be snowballs on the field on October sixteenth at, <laughs> at, at at Minneapolis. Um, then, then, uh, you know, that's when you, that's, that's when you have the potential for your season to unravel. So I agree. It's a defining stretch for Nebraska. Those first four weeks of the conference season, because you could go four and oh, you could go two and two, you could go one and three. And, and it's as important as that, that opener is, um, you know, obviously a four week period of games is going to be even more crucial in defining, um, the way that your season turns out. So after that, Purdue at home winnable yeah. game and then you get into the really tough stuff you got ohio state at home um not a winnable game it just isn't um you go to wisconsin and you have iowa at home to finish so um you know my thoughts on those final three weeks are that uh you know the big 10 schedule makers aren't getting a christmas card from nebraska for the way that uh the way that that that, that final stretch is 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 put together and if the huskers go into november needing victories to get to bowl eligibility then um wow it's going to be a rough uh, a rough off season um but uh there is ample opportunity for nebraska to have six or seven wins before the buckeyes even set foot inside memorial stadium so um if that's the case then you can weather whatever happens in November and, and make a successful season out of uh, out of 2021. You know, perhaps with a win over Iowa on Black Friday to top things off. I mean, that's that's attainable as we've seen over the past three years. So, um, you know, what do you think about the way that uh, that those three those it's not three weeks. There's an off there's an off week built in there on on November yeah. 13th, but those final three games over four weeks shape up. I think that's uh, that's critical to kind of the exclamation point to the season. I think the meat of the season is what we kind of discussed. And then you could throw in the Purdue game and where they sit. If they are in, let's say they're five and four after Purdue or, you know, then you, you win one out of your last three. If they've lost four, it means that they've played somewhat poorly against teams that are at or below the standard of their three final opponents. So if you're losing to Illinois, if you're losing to, well, the way Michigan played last year, then it doesn't give you a whole lot of hope that you can go out and have a good game against the other three. However, if you're six and three or seven and two, um, sure. I, I don't see any reason why if Nebraska's playing well, it can't compete to the end of the game against Wisconsin or Iowa. Camp Randall's a tough place to play, no doubt, but it's not it's it's not playing an Alcatraz or anything either. And then <laughs> likewise you know, we've seen it last three years. Um, Nebraska has held its own. And and that would be a real positive cap to Nebraska's season if it could get, 
you know, win a trophy game, beat a, a rival, get into bowl, you know, bowl eligibility, or even, ex, you know, improve your bowl slotting by beating a team like Iowa to end the season. I think it's possible. I wouldn't predict it today, but I wouldn't also over, you know, I wouldn't just dismiss it offhandedly that it won't happen. It's just, but I do think things have to work. And I think there needs to be a lot more consistency on offense. I think the defense has to play well. Um, But I I do see six or seven wins if they can make strides in those areas. I I think for, for all that we've talked about, what it all boils down to is get to six and three on Halloween. You got that mm-hmm. Purdue game on October 30th at home. If if you wake up on Sunday morning and get ready to go trick or treating, and Nebraska's six and three, then things are okay for Scott Frost and and for this program. Even with Ohio State looming the following Saturday on the schedule, if you're six and three, you've got an opportunity to win a couple more games, to be in a couple more games, to go to the postseason. You have weathered the storm. And, and and you're doing something something better. But anything less than that, um, it's uh, it's time to start uh, you know clenching those teeth and and and, uh, and 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 just like not feeling good about things in November. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I almost feel like, especially in the sport of football, any kind of prediction almost has to have an asterisk, which is uh, injuries. You know, injuries are kind of the unknown quotient. And in these in these uh, fractions or these these seasons, because you just don't know what could happen. I mean, if Nebraska loses six starters to an injuries, um, then that may that may completely impact the season. It may not matter in the outcome to what people think of Scott Frost or Bill Moose or or whatever, but it does impact the season negatively in a way. And then likewise, if you don't have any, then that usually can be the difference in even games. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we can we can kind of close with that talk about injuries, and I'll just mention that there are a couple of major ones already for Nebraska since we've gone through things. I mentioned Will Honus earlier, uh, the sixth-year senior inside linebacker, leading tackler over the past two seasons for Nebraska, suffered a just a, a really sad uh, injury, uh, has had previous knee injuries. Now he has another one. Um, you know, his future, I'd say, is is somewhat in doubt. Out, he's out indefinitely after surgery. Um, happened right at the end of spring, and then Thomas Fedoni, the yeah. uh, the the four star tight end from Council Bluffs, Iowa, who was recruited by by everyone around the country, and and signed with the Huskers as an early enrollee, um, also suffered a knee injury uh, late in the spring. That's going to knock him out for a good portion of the season. You know, maybe half of the season, uh, maybe more. Do you bring back a true freshman? Uh, who you know probably isn't ready for all of the physical rigors of the Big Ten, and ask him to play coming off of an uh, off of a serious knee injury. I don't know. Maybe you just you just cash in your chips and and say, and say get ready for 2022. But uh, he has looked okay. Uh, you know, I've seen Thomas a couple of times since the surgery and is walking around well without a knee brace. So maybe he's on his road to a fast recovery. But uh, that's that's uh, that's what's going on right now on the injury front for Nebraska. Yeah, that'd be tough to ask a true freshman to do that. But uh, right. Well, uh, it's been great talking to you, Mitch. Um, and we, we used to talk every week on during game weeks, and hopefully we'll talk a lot more this fall. So, uh, as always, we wanted to thank you, our our legends and listeners, for spending time with us and adding us to your podcasting rotation. Please subscribe, rate, and review us. 
For Mitch Sherman, this is Scott Dockerman, and we'll talk to you soon.